Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Quickly cutting the depth of air on high with tawny wings, the eagle, messenger of Zeus who thunders in wide lordship, is bold, relying on his mighty strength, while other birds cower, shrill-voiced, in fear. The great earth's mountain peaks do not hold him back, nor the tireless seas rough-tossing waves. But in the limitless expanse he guides his fine, sleek plumage along the west wind's breeze, manifest to men's sight. So now for me two countless paths extend in all directions by which to praise your prowess. Welcome to Cop on Podcast, you crumbly, divine cookie. Liverpool atop of the league by a whap stallion eight points. My name is Owen and joining me in this episode to stroll down some of those countless paths by which to praise Liverpool's prowess are Reds around the world, Robin in England and Brian in Hong Kong. I start by asking Brian how in the name of Devox party pants he is feeling just one hour after the final whistle of Liverpool 3, Manchester City 1. <laughs> I'm giddy. I'm giddy, giddy, giddy. I've just been sitting here smiling like a crazy person for 10 minutes, waiting for you to call in to talk about Liverpool. It was such a good game. And I just had a feeling in my stomach all week that we were going to put it on them tonight. And we did, and I'm just buzzing right now. Fantastic! I'm also I've also got delighted to have Robin on the line. Robin, tell t- tell me your emotions. Do you have any words? Hi guys. Hi Brian. Hi Owen. Oh my God, what a game! Um, I am so happy. I've been leading leading up to this week. It's been tough knowing how how difficult this game is going to be, or um, the the consequences of the league with this game. And I was into mind i didn't know if we're going to be cautious so i didn't know if man city are going to bring the a game i didn't know if we're gonna um perhaps stutter like we did against manchester united when we thought we were going to kill them um i just didn't know what to expect and the last few games that we've played where we've not been at our flowing best then you can argue that we've got a few goals um last minute we had to rely upon a little bit of luck being on our side but today was something different. Today we just bossed the game. It was it was back to being completely awesome. And it's against a team that feared us before the match, and now after this performance, they're gonna be they're gonna be shitting it. I can't. I, this, I'm so happy. Thank you for that answer, Robin. That's very good, uh, Brian. When when you look at the league table now, you see us nine points clear. Sorry, nine points clear of City, eight points clear, of course, of Chelsea and Leicester. I'm inclined to think that it's not over, though. I'm sorry. I had a look at some, some, you know, the best starts to Premier League uh, in history. And and only one team has ever um, won 
11 and drawn one from the opening 12 games. And that was Man City, and they've done it twice. Uh, they did it in the 17-18 season where they ended up with 100 points and no one came close to them. And of course, we would love to live that season for us. But very interestingly, when they weren't sure if they can be champions or not was back in 11-12, 2011-2012. And they had exactly the same start as us. Um, you know, 1-11, drawn one. God, it's mad to say that. But we've we've equaled that. But in 11-12, that's the season where they needed that, you know, Aguero kind of, uh, you know, that, that crazy goal in injury time to win the league. So all I'm saying is there's lots of time for other teams to get back in it. And I don't know, does that make me a party pooper or a realist or, you know, I don't know. Is the league over or what? That's what I liked about the performance today. Like, you can't take anything for granted. You just got to show up and you got to um, take full advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of you. And that's what we did today. And now, you know, so we're nine points clear of City. Um, and yeah, they, you know, all it takes is a swing of maybe two or three games, you know, a couple of losses and a draw. And it's like, it's, it's back, back to uh, looking over your shoulder. And, you know, anything can happen in football. But I just think the narrative the story of the of this football team of Jurgen Klopp of where he's at where we're at you know we've been here we've done it we've made these mistakes in the past and there's just a sense I know we, we, we talked about this a couple of times in the show it's just so many leaders out there on the pitch even on our bench when, when there's players coming on even Gomez Gomez he's such a young player but he looks every inch a leader when he comes on the pitch and like they know what's at stake they know um uh this opportunity that they have right now and yeah sure look uh things can change but having said that you know we've played quite a lot of difficult games already in comparison to city and uh the teams that city drop points uh, on like lesser sides, we 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 gain full points from, and now they have to play Chelsea, who are like, I mean, I feel dirty saying this, but they're just playing some absolutely sublime football. I wouldn't want to be playing Chelsea right now, and then I think they've got a few um, more very tricky fixtures in quick succession after that. So. I mean, who knows? I mean, I could quite... This City team don't look... They're not the same City team as last, last season, especially with the injuries. And they look like they can be got at. Like John Stones is an absolute train wreck back there. I think I could score against John Stones. <laughs> and I'm carrying a lot of timber. So, yeah, it's the... the, the, the obviously, there'll be people, you know, the, the papers, the, the, the narrative now will be, oh, it's, it's uh, Liverpool's title to lose now because that's what the, the media does. But, I mean, wow. I mean, it's what, how many games in? And we're nine points already ahead of City, trademark, the best team ever. <laughs> it's looking good. It's extraordinary stuff. It's, it's purely extraordinary. Um, yeah, I mean, City at Anfield, I thought they were good today, Robin. I actually thought it was a good performance, apart from their finishing, which was shit. 
I agree. Um, they they were good. They they pressed us at the first three or four minutes. The ball just didn't move from the our left back position. It just was stuck there, and um, they started quite fast. Um, we've we've let in early goals in the last couple of games, so I don't know if Man City had a tactic to come and press us straight away. And I think if we had scored early, they know it's going to be a tough game. I don't I don't think Man City react well when when they have a goal against them. And I think when we score first. Um, we usually go on to steamroll the team and I think um, last season especially we, we became more nervous as we did in score but this year is different but yeah Man City did play well but the the front six I would say had a decent game but the defense was always la uh, lacking de uh, quality I think whenever we went forward Mane, Salah and Firmino looked dangerous they looked as though they can find pockets of space they're passing an intricate movement around they're, they're the back three, um, the back third created problem for us. You can see it's not the first choice defense, um, and I don't know what Guerrero has at Anfield. Um, he just has a complete jinx of a game here. He had two or three really good opportunities where I think in other stadiums the ball would have been on the back of the net, but I don't know. The longer it goes on, the more you start thinking. Is there something psychologically wrong with him not being able to score at Anfield? There was one ball that was passed to him and he tried to side foot it. It was only about four or five yards out. He completely missed it. So Aguero-like. So um, I don't know. I don't know if the fans get to him. I don't know if the, the, um, the atmosphere or the occasion of it uh, makes him... Uh, nervous in this match, I just don't know. But Sterling, I thought, had an okay game, especially in the second half as it went on. I thought he played better. Um, I thought he was quite frustrated in the first half. Some of the decisions where he felt as though it should be going for him didn't go for him. Um, and I thought Bernardo Silva was, I always like Bernardo Silva. I think he's a quality player. He's so tenacious and hardworking. I think he kept Robertson on his toes today. Um, I thought Man City were a decent side, but. I think when we got our game under control, as good as Man City were in the opening minutes, we took the lead. And I think that completely knocked the stuffing out of them. Um, and then when we imposed our game onto them, we were very, very good. And I think we controlled the game very well. So City, as good as they were, this is probably uh, a good opportunity for them to break that Anford hoodoo. But 16 years and running, they can't win. And this is the greatest team ever, as you said, Owen. Let that long continue. I thought we were really, really good today. Yeah, a brilliant answer. Absolutely loads of things to talk about there that we'll hopefully have time to, to, to get onto all of them, dissect them a little bit. You mentioned Aguero, Aguero at Anfield. It's definitely over 740 minutes of play, uh, which is, you know, more than 13 hours of football where he just hasn't scored. Um, and yes, is it a hoodoo? I don't know. But you also mentioned, Robin, the first goal, the Fabinho goal, the Fabinho gem. It's a, as pure a strike as Steven Gerrard ever managed. Is that too much, Brian? Uh, no, it was just glorious. And the sound that that ball made when it smacked the back of the net and rolled back out of the goal, it was just beautiful. It's like the kind of goal you dream of scoring on a video game, let alone on a real game. He just took a touch and bang. Oh my God. And it, and it was just what the, it's just what we needed. And as Robin uh, rightly pointed out, we were absolutely under the cosh. 
the opening moments of that game. I was, and I was thinking to myself, "Wow, okay, this is this is this is dicey. This is going to be a tricky a tricky day for us because we could, just couldn't get out. Right? They, they 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 had the overload everywhere. They seemed like they had an extra man on the pitch. At, you know, in those first five minutes. And I was just thinking, just just get the ball, just keep the ball." Uh, and I and I think even up and just just before that goal went in, I think City were pretty much on top still. And then like the first moment we had really of danger, and wallop, and it really just put a marker down. I mean the crowd was up for it today. Wow, were they up for it? But that kind of goal as well, it's like a conductor on the pitch just jing up all the fans, and it really set the tone for the rest of the game. I thought. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It came just after um, what may or may not have been a handball. Pep certainly thought it it was. Oh, it was so funny to see him, I don't know, dancing around like some kind of Kojak on on a bad acid trip around the Anfield Stadium. Uh, he was, was losing it, wasn't he? He, com- he was completely losing losing everything all sense of reality but i would like to point you to uh, um an excellent quote that our friend there karen a uh, regular contributor to cop on sent us uh via whatsapp uh i saw it being the cop on whatsapp group um mike riley who was the managing director of the PGMOL, the referees group, in July of this year, just before the season starts. Now listen to this for a quote, Pep, if you're listening. We have a philosophy that says we want handball to be something that has an impact on the game, says Mike Riley. We are not looking for the ball to be striking arms and we do accept when we are looking for what is an unnatural position for the arm that arms move. Crazy. We don't expect players to defend with their arms behind their back, nor do we expect forwards to try and drill the ball to the hand to win a free kick. You don't expect defenders to have their arms glued to their side, so if the hand is in a natural position, then it is not an offence. And I would say, with his arm, you know, not really, you know, not exactly, not at all horizontal or anything, Robin, I would say that according to Mike Riley, who's the president of these things, who I'm sure we'd all love to have a cup of coffee with and, you know, talk about ways that VAR can be improved. But in this context, I'm going to say, sorry, Pep, uh, I think that was not a handball and tough titties. What do you think, Robin? I think when I first saw it, I didn't think it was a handball. And then I got worried because at the start of this season, if I remember correctly, we was in the Premier League, there was handballs for nearly anything. As soon as the ball touched somebody's hands, regardless of intention or unnatural position or... Um, how close the ball struck to how uh, close the player was, it was given. And I think um, uh, there was a game that Man United had in the Champions League last year, was it this year against PSG, um, handball was given for ball hitting hand. So any occasion where ball hits hand was, was a handball. And I think that narrative has changed as this season has gone on. So it's interesting to see that quote by Mike Riley that Karen sent in that where he said if it's 
if the player's hand is a un in, in a natural position and it doesn't have an impact then it shouldn't be given as an offense fair enough so i think trent's hand was in a natural position and he couldn't help it and i think his hand position at the moment when he hit his arm was a, he's the way his arms were positioned was exactly the same formation as what Aguero's hand was um, positioned. So the ball was coming between Aguero and Trent, but it had to happen to glance up and hit um, Trent's hand. But you can't call that an unnatural position because if you look at it, it mirrors exactly what Aguero was doing. So I think that's fine. And if I, I didn't see it properly, I think I only saw it once on the replay uh, on TV. Didn't the ball scoop up from Bernardo Silva's hand and then go into Trent's hand? So if we're going by, so if we're going by the letter of the rule, if it hits the arm, and that's a uh, that's a an offence, regardless of how the ball hit, then we should have had that free kick. Not that we want the free kick. We want the Fabinho goal. What a piece of magic that we would have lost if if we got the free kick instead for that. But um, I I can see why Man City will be upset by that. Um, it is a little bit harsh and sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it doesn't. I think that's too close to call. And there was another um, handball uh, call uh, later on. And I think that was easier, an easier decision to say it wasn't a handball. I think it was um, uh, Trent again. The ball was drilled into his hand and he just couldn't move it out of the way. It was, it was far too close to the ball. But that penalty to call... Um, it was like a double whammy, a double punishment for Manchester City. Here they were complaining that it should have been a penalty to them, that they're livid. And 10 seconds later, Fabinho's pulling off a masterclass, smashing the back of the net. So it's it's like a double uh, infliction of pain for them. And I loved it. It was really, really, really awesome to see. To imagine if that penalty or that free kick was awarded, uh, we wouldn't have seen Fabinho's goal, and it was an unlikely source of goal. Uh, we, I didn't really, I didn't know Fabinho had that in his locker. I really didn't. We've been waxing lyrical about how he's the best defensive, um, he's the best DM in the country, probably in the league, probably in Europe, and then he pulls out goals like that. I didn't know he had that string to his bow. Well done, mate. Well done. It's absolutely extraordinary, isn't it? Um, looking at the, the teams that lined up in January when we lost at the Etihad, by the way, because uh, I want to talk about the lineups now, but but uh, our, our lineup today was exactly the same apart from Fabinho, because back in January we had Milner uh, in, in midfield and uh, Henderson in the number six, as I remember. But uh, yeah, Fabinho's now in the team. He's a regular, Brian. And, uh, you know, another player who was brought in was Dayan Lovren. And Dayan Lovren was brilliant. He was, it was, it was a World Cup finalist's performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he kind of lived up to his own image in his own head tonight. <laughs> tonight, because yeah. we all know that Tegzu really rates himself very highly, <laughs> and why? And so should he, right? He's the he's a Champions League winner, World Cup finalist. I mean, he keeps telling us that we're we're, we're wrong. He's right, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was amazing, really, really amazing. I mean, I really like the guy. I think what we talked about last time that you know, he, he, because he made some some big mistakes or he's had or he's been had in some big games. Uh, that's kind of the, the 
the whiff of that has stuck with him for for quite a while. But um, yeah, to, to tonight, you know, the the performance he put in, he was just brilliant, majestic. I mean, he he was he was better than Virgil, right? And that's saying something. Um, and he just, you know, he put him everything he did. He did it with an exclamation mark, right? He was just he was just like, <laughs> this is my pitch. Get out of here. He was clearing it. He wasn't trying anything tricky. And his uh, distribution of the ball uh, was awesome. Um, and, you know, if I be honest, when I watch Liverpool play, there's, there's a couple of players that I kind of think that they're going to have a couple of moments in the game where I'll be screaming at the television, you know, saying, Jesus, sort it out. And he's one of them. Um, and he, he hasn't given me uh, reason to do that. Of, of late and uh, I, I'm ashamed to say uh, our captain Hendo uh, can be the, the other one at times but again he was sublime and you, you mentioned um, Fab oh man he is just a Rolls Royce of a player I mean he is just his positional play is just on a different level I and mean, he really commands that he reminds me of Didi Haman um you know, he just, he, he just, he's the, he's the Rosetta Stone of that team. It all comes through him, out of him, and, you know, and he breaks everything up. He's everywhere. I mean, he, and he's, I, he's like, he gets forward as well. He's not like he's just sitting in a DM the entire game. I've seen him pop up quite a few times in the game in different spaces. Um, and he, know, he knows when to leave it on a player, and then he knows when to reel it back. I just, you know. As soon as he, you know, when he's in the team, it changes. He, he, he reminds me of um, everything about him screams company. He's just cool, calm. You know, when he's on the pitch, you feel better. <laughs> you feel safer <laughs> as a fan. Absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, Fabinho, just a, a few stats uh, from him. He had, uh, he had two tackles uh, today. Oh, sorry, one tackle, two interceptions, uh, two fouls. Well done. Uh, going forward, he had um, two shots, one shot on target. Can't remember which one that was. One dribble. Um, in terms of his passing, uh, his passing was 83.3% uh, accurate, 36 passes. He wasn't actually as involved as he's been in other games. Uh, but a lot of our, you know, play was was concentrated on a, you know, attacking through, through Trent and you know defending well, attacking through Robbo as well. And uh, I thought it was interesting Jordan Henderson's position. You mentioned Hendo as well, um, because the captain, the cross for the third goal, for example. Oof. I mean, your Klopp, imagine how Jürgen feels now, Robin. He's made two big calls for us Liverpool fans. He's he's kept faith in Hendo, despite the amazing form of Oxlade-Chamberlain. And Hendo's got an assist. He brought in Degsy Lovren. And Degsy Lovren puts in a, an absolute masterclass. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about his stats. One tackle, one interception five clearances and two blocked shots. Um, I mean, Klopp's got to be, like us, just revelling in it, hasn't he, Robin? Everything seems to be going right at the moment. Um, 
Henderson was brilliant. I thought he was um he his intensity, his his uh, sharpness on the ball, and that cross and that wing play um it rolled back a few years um to to when he used to do that regularly. I think he played wide right uh, or right of the midfield in the early part of his career at uh, Liverpool. But that cross was inch perfect. It was superb and um. I had to rewind it and watch it again because I couldn't believe was that really Henderson that I did that that was really really good and I, I think he got a really good round of applause when he was coming off for uh, being subbed and there was um, a bit of pressure with Oxlade um, knocking on the door to start but with the midfield of Henderson, Genie and Fabinho it's, it's a tried and tested and safe midfield I was watching it with um, a family member one of my uh, my brother-in-law and he was suggesting that we should bring um, Oxlade on when we were 3 0 up. Um, and I was thinking, well, we can do, but there's no rush for that now. I think at the start of the match, a lot of us Liverpool fans were thinking that if it's still locked and we're at a draw, then to unpick the defence, we need somebody like Oxlade Chamberlain to try and break through the lines and, and, and create something. We did it with our calm safe midfield we were already three new up and and dictating game and we were totally in charge so this this midfield sometimes gets i feel unfairly some um some criticism in the media that it doesn't create that many goals or it doesn't have as many assists like your aguero or your silvers but I, I think they are a bit naive if they don't understand how liverpool play and what system we have um but to see today them putting this shift, scoring goals, making goals, protecting balls, um, it's an all-round action dynamic midfield. And I think um, Klopp, Klopp's, uh, so big a pardon, uh, Pep's team uh, with Man City, they have many different ways of winning a game. They're very calm. They put a lot of pressure and possession in the game and they can beat most teams. But this intensity and this um, solidity that Lop offer, I think it's his kryptonite. I don't think he seems to get past that. or He struggles um, how to find a way to break this midfield and the front three. It, it, he, you can see his mind just working overtime, trying to unlock how Klopp's going to set his team up. I think... Um, the biggest uh, tactical, uh, not tactical, I think the biggest uh, uh, key battles today was Anfield versus Pep. I loved watching his reaction. Every time something would happen, the camera would pan to him to see how he would react or what he would do. Uh, it feels like he's starting to lose at the last few weeks, uh, especially after that comment that he made about Mane diving. It feels that Pep's not happy, he's not going is things are definitely not going his way and he's starting to lose it we're seeing like a crazy man working here and i think anfield brought that right out for him today i think the crowd were amazing and the the team were amazing and also i've got to give credit to um i know we've slated it and uh of the philosophy weeks so i think we've got to give credit to the referee today i thought we handled it really well i think most of us quite like michael oliver and he seems quite calm and sensible and i think he made good calls today and even even i don't want to say it now even var was on form today but i'm sure nobody's going to agree to me but i think trent was um excellent but going back to your original question uh henderson had a great game and lovren um lovren's had the nod in front of gomez for the last couple of games now and i think um i heard klopp saying that um lovren is um in a better place or more more likely he's 
he's fit and ready. I think it was faster than Gomez was. And Gomez had a couple of games. He wasn't quite back to his brilliant self that he was at the start of last season. Um, and I'm sure he'll get there. He's very young and he'll get there. But Lovren just seemed to be stealing a march on him. And today um, he, he would have done himself private. He would have helped a lot of Liverpool fans feel reassured by him a little bit your brian's comment about him playing with a exclamation mark spot on we always think that he's okay but he's got something up his sleeve that is gonna surprise us all about we're always worried about that but today he didn't seem to um, be a liability he was aggressive with his ball his heading away was good he was strong um and and i think he made us feel as actually he, he's a good cover i feel sorry for matin I think whoever comes in and plays alongside uh, Van Dyke, as soon as they have a run of games, they become excellent. Whether it's uh, Joe Gomez start of last season and Matip and Lovren, I think he's he's got a calm influence now. Um, and I hope that when Matip comes in, he can go back to the excellent form that he was showing before the injury. Um, but. We're quite lucky. We've got two or three guys that you think we're not too nervous um, compare it to the other team, Man City. They, they If one defender goes out, the main defender, Laporta, goes down and everybody else seems quite nervous. Um, maybe that happened if um, Van Dijk was out. But I think we've got three able assistants to Van Dijk's um, hold on that defence. Yes, we do indeed. We do indeed. Um, yeah, excellent answer. Uh, lots to, lots to talk about there. But uh, you know, a very good point about Michael Oliver. God, what a difference a ref makes as the song goes, Brian. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Compared to the shambles, the absolute farce of the clown that is Martin Atkinson, in my opinion. Don't sue me. Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, there might be a bit of an echo. I've changed rooms. Um, but uh, yeah, Mike Oliver. I mean, he he's the best referee in the league and has been forever. And I think his his wife is the second best referee in the league, right? Probably. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. <laughs> um, his uh, um, yeah, I thought he managed the game really, really well. Uh, he, he, you know, he let it flow. Uh, there was no. I think that's what you kind of need in a referee for those top games. You need the referee to be the, the, the tone, the calming influence on, on the game. Because, you know, when you're one of the top sides that can rely on football, we, we don't need to kind of mix it up. We can just play, have a game of football and see who's the best. And obviously we were the best today and we are the best. Um, and I thought he got everything, everything right. I mean, the only thing that, that stood out to me was oh well, with the exception of the the late change with the substitution i mean i could see clock was his piss was boiling right because uh you, you, i mean i'm no tactical genius but i could even see that city were like exploiting um where was it which down the left wasn't it i think down the left side they did just at, at, when he was trying to make that substitution they just kept coming wave after wave and, and their left back was overlapping constantly. Um, and you could see Klopp was trying to get Oxon to, to, to help shore that up. And for whatever reason, he, he couldn't make that substitution even though there was breaks in play. And then there was another moment when Trent went through on goal. I think it was Trent. And there was a potential penalty there. 
and uh, I had Jim Beglin, who was doing the commentary on the on the game, level, who just drives me crazy. I had to listen to him the whole game, just being Billy no mates depressing about everything, you know. <laughs> uh, I can't stand him. Um, uh, yeah, he said, oh, you know, VAR, they're going to be checking that, I'm sure. And I was waiting to see you know, the replay, and it just never came. I don't know if you guys spotted that. Um... Yeah, there was a replay on, there was a replay on uh, where, where I was watching it, and no way in, in, in heck it was a penalty. Sadio Mane, there's a bit, he, he gives him the tiniest little nudge in the back with his forearm. Uh, but uh, no, Sterling, I mean, I don't know, he fell over. When, when, if and when the definition of diving becomes um, falling over when you've got no reason to fall over. Uh, you know, if that becomes the definition of, of diving, like, you know, falling just to win a free kick, and if you've got a yellow card for that, then there'd be so many of them, wouldn't there? Because it's just so many times, if it was a defender, he would stay in his feet, but because it's an attacker, he goes down in the box looking for a penalty. And, you know, th- there's no way in heck that that was a penalty. But you're right, they were dangerous down the left-hand side. And interesting, that, that substitution that that Klopp made, he then went to a 4-4-2 and with Chamberlain on the right of the midfield four. And for about five minutes after that, they were murdering us down the left. So I'm not even sure had we made that substitution that that Chamberlain would have been done anything about the goal anyway or, you know, they wouldn't have scored again. Uh, but uh, no, Sterling. I mean, <laughs> uh. I like him. I think he's a good guy. He's a great player. And uh, you know, it was funny because when I was watching the game, <laughs> and the crowd <laughs> was screaming, "There's only one greedy bastard." I I joined in for one chorus, and I thought, "Well, he's not really greedy." You know, we were pretty shit at the time, or whatever. And, and uh, it was like it made sense that move. But, <laughs> you know, I just I think you know if he. If he had been around just a year longer or, you know, the timing was slightly, the window was wrong for him, I think, you know, under Klopp, he could have been absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, the, the Anvil crowd just will never forgive him for being good. Like if he was, if he was just okay, they would have been okay with that. Right. I think, you know, ah, he was all right. He played well for us. Fair play to him. Good luck to him. But it's because he's so good. No, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, yeah, you are. You are right. But I, there's no way, there's no way that I would turn back the clock and keep Sterling, for the very reason, Robin, that we brought in Sadio Mane to replace him, and Sadio Mane now has 22 home goals in the Premier League alone in the last two seasons. Um, it's becoming a weekly occurrence to sing his praises, but let's sing them some more, Robin. Sadio, the main man, Mane. Um, Sadio Mane has been a godsend this season for us uh, and uh, the last season. Um, he's balanced on the ball when he picks the ball up, the way he manoeuvres in tight spaces, creates chances. He moves in and out of players. He slaloms through defenders. Um, he overlaps all of it is just top quality football. Um, he does it perfect with perfection, and he's hard working to come back and support. He's defending uh, well. Um, 
it's just all round brilliance. You, we talk about Sterling. Um, I quite like him as well. I think he's grown on me over the last year or so. The way he handles himself, and he's obviously he's obviously stepped up a gear under uh, under Pep, and we wonder how he would have been at Liverpool. I think we all quite upset the way he left, not because he did leave. I think going to Man City is, was a step up at that time uh, for where we were. And we all wonder what he could have been at Liverpool. But you're right, sometimes when a player leaves, he opens the door for somebody else. And I, I wouldn't swap Sterling in this current form now over a money, not a single chance. I think um, I spoke to a friend of mine, uh, Raj, he's an Arsenal fan, and I think we were trying to construct a, a, a favourite, uh, a best top 11 of the Premier League, and he put Sterling over money in that position, and I, I just couldn't believe he could do that, but that's his opinion. I Nonsense! I I agree. I think it's um it's money all the way. The way he plays is amazing. I think with the Ballon d'Or, with all, a lot of these um famous players, I think they're putting uh they're voting for money as well. So they know what they're talking about more than the, my friend. He's gonna kill me for saying that, but uh, but money's been so good uh, this season. And I thought um Salah was um back to his best today as well. I thought he played really well. There's a few touches that eluded him and just. Straight away, but some of these um, link-up play was good uh, in the in in the start of the in the first half, and what a goal! Um, he took that goal with perfection. That that header was um really nicely placed. Um, I think the game um that we saw today it showed that Liverpool are not scared of Man City anymore. They they laid down a marker that they're right to feel confident. They're right to be at the top. There's a part of last year where we had. We'd been on top for quite a large part of last season. And with Man City chipping away on that lead that we had and chipping away on that six-pointer game at the Etihad, it felt as though we lost it. And then through the last part of the season, the last 10, 15 games, we're always trying to catch up. And we're always trying to hope that Man City will slip up and give us an opportunity to win back that lead again. We were sitting at the top of this uh, table this season and there's always that talk about, well, Man City clawed back at eight-point uh, gap last year. Uh, Man City have got the uh, the firepower, the experience and and the know-how how to do this. There's 78 more points to play for the, for the rest of the season. So um, it's not all over yet. And none of us Liverpool fans, we, we weren't naive to think that if we win this game, we, we would win the league. We all, we're a bit more realistic than that. But... What we uh this game gives us is that belief that we we are right to sit at the top of the table. This is our table because we've beaten the rest, even the champions, and we're not beat them. We beat them convincingly. So we should feel proud that this is our spot and let them come and try and beat us. Last season we couldn't beat Man City. We drew nil nil, and that surprised us. So this year all of the teams have come down for so far. We, we've we've um claim three points off them and we should feel proud that we rightfully belong at that top yes indeed it's it, it is incredible the the results i mean you know it this, this game finished less than two hours ago um in listeners if you are if you are not aware from when we're recording this and it's it, it hasn't really sunk in yet because these are glory days this is this is not just the best that you know, league 
performance that we've ever seen as Liverpool fans in terms of you know being 45 matches or whatever it is unbeaten at home we've we've lost once in I think 51 games home and away but this is this is as good as it's going to get for for like anyone Brian isn't it I mean how are you how are you processing this I mean this is this is just really incredible really something fabulous that's going on here i'm like i'm just cherishing every little morsel of this i i'm with you i i totally know what i'm looking at i appreciate the hell out of this team i mean um the goal like uh salah's goal holy shit i mean from right back outside of his left foot cross field diagonal to the other fullback takes it on the march down the line and plays a bouncing low through ball inch perfect to to Salah who puts it in the back of the onion bag I mean it's just amazing and it was like from one end of the pitch to the other in seconds and we're just so used to seeing that now week in week out but that's just that's just next level stuff. That's I mean I've been watching football a while, and I can't I can't like I cannot remember two fullbacks working in such perfect harmony and with such absolute attacking vigor than these two guys. Um, they're just amazing, and uh, yeah, I mean the the results. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 uh, I was a huge fan of Rafa, you know, and when, when he left, uh, I was heartbroken. Uh, you know, I had a, a bit of a bromance with Rafa. And I thought, you know, we'll never be able to replace that guy. And, and we have, you know, and it's not just the team. It's Jurgen Klopp as well. I mean, he, for me, is personally speaking, he is my perfect football manager. I couldn't, if you gave me a simulator and said, design the perfect football manager, I couldn't make a better one. He's, he, he, he matches up so well to this club. He's so, he's aggressive, but he's decent. He's funny, but he can be angry. And his teams play attractive football. You know, it's like, it's like Brendan Rodgers in, in, his, in his heyday, you know, those teams played some great attractive football, but they were so open at the back, it was just a complete shambles to watch. It was good fun if you had some Xanax. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, but there was, <laughs> it, was, it was scary stuff. But there was always a feeling that something crazy was going to happen every week in, week out. And, uh, but with, um, with this team, or with Jürgen's team, as it's progressed and as it's developed and as he's put the right pieces in the right places, he, he, we, we've remained, we've kept that um, attacking intensity. But the solidity uh, in this team now is just amazing. I mean, one thing that perhaps doesn't get mentioned enough in, um, out in, in the football punditry world, I think, is, is the shape that this team keeps. I mean, today I was thinking, you know, man of the match, who would that be, and whatever. And I honestly think it was the team shape. I mean, like, every time City had the ball, the press was just amazing. The trigger, it was, there was no gaps. There was no, and it was the same 
same routine, same, same uh, movement patterns over and over and over again. And, and, and they're just so well drilled. Um, and, you know, those results speak for themselves. I mean, it was it's testament to how good this team is that we are almost putting the city team in the dustbin, you know, because Jürgen's attitude was, well, you know, a lot of other managers would have just rolled over and thought, well, you know, our timing is, we're so unlucky. We have this great team, but we happen to be around when, you know, Man City and Pep's around with endless money. But he, he just took on that challenge and said, okay, if they're the best team, then we have to be even better. And, and that's what they are. I mean, it, it, it'll be hard pushed to find a better uh, football team, Liverpool football team than this uh, ever, I would say. And yeah, you're right. I just think enjoy it. Enjoy it now because, you know, who knows what's around the corner. Eventually, unfortunately, Jurgen's gonna is gonna hang up his coat at some stage, and um, I mean I've got a feeling he he'll handle the transition for us a lot better than some of our rivals have done in recent years. Um, but yeah, look, it's just it's just a joy to watch this team, and it's funny because we don't we're not used to losing football games now as uh, as fans, and so you know we're just whistling our way to work every week, week in week out listening to all the different football podcasts, you know, it's great. And then occasionally, like out of the blue moon, we'd lose a game or maybe we draw a game and you're reminded of how much that sucks <laughs> to lose a football game. But we, we, but we don't. So, yeah, no, it's really special times. I just wanted to add, while we talk about Klopp, um, as much as we like him, his tactical awareness and knowledge is excellent as well. So he does everything right. So Brian rightly said it's the perfect simulation of a uh, football manager you can create. Um, do you know, uh, you mentioned a little earlier where Sterling and down that left side, they were hammering us on the left side. Um, and you could see Pep, you could see Klopp call over Sadio Mane and Oxlade and have a word with them. And they're talking about that left side and what kind of cover is needed. And uh, on my commentary, they, they mentioned about the way that when we went to the 4-4-2 and Alex Oxlade was playing on the right wing, and it created a little bit of difficulty because because you have money as the right sided uh right sided uh centre forward Oxlade on the right sided midfield sorry and then uh then Trent it just it wasn't quite the same as what Trent was used to and it created problems with Sterling attacking us and Sterling was good in that period of time he you can sense there's a little bit of danger every time he he attacked us and that Klopp's awareness to push a bit more support back to him. And two, three minutes later, that threat had nullified. And we, I wasn't worried about that anymore. His in-play tactical manoeuvring is brilliant. Uh, he's one of the best I've seen. Um, similar to Rafa, but I think Klopp's are just another level up. Uh, awesome. And we talk about the longest, um, this long run. There was a nice stat that came out today. I saw so 45 games that we've played uh in the league, I think since the last defeat, April two thousand and seventeen, um, and in Europe, the next highest uh, unbeaten home run is by Juve. They've had twenty six games from uh, last defeat was in April two thousand eighteen. Then Barcelona with eighteen, and Atletico Madrid with fourteen. So we've got forty five. Next is twenty six. That's a huge, uh, huge jump. It shows you we've we've made a, a Anfield a fortress. People don't like coming here. Gary Neville on the commentary today 
kept talking about how much he hated coming to play at Anfield. It was just horrible. When City were 3-0 down, he was saying, um, there's 20 minutes left, City are 3-0 down. He said that's probably the worst time, worst place where he wants to be. He just doesn't like being at Anfield, especially when there's 20 minutes to play and there's no hope of it being a victory for them. <laughs> Music to my ears. The more Man, um, Man City, Man United fans hate it for us, the more I love it. And the more they publicise how they hate going to Anfield, the more it creates the fear factor. And we've seen it before. And 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 what Brian alluded to earlier is all the all the years of, you know, suffering that we've endured as as fans who want us to be right at the top of the game where we are now, and seeing us well below that. You know, the Hodgson. A debacle, for example, where we'd set up defensively at home against Bolton or whatever, you know, bad team. And we, we, we were just awful. And, and you would dream of these times, um, you know, because I noticed Brighton, Manchester United a bit earlier. I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the Premier League for now. But see, Brighton, they went to Man United, uh, Old Trafford. They lost 3-1. But until the first goal went in, you could tell Brighton had this sort of pep around around their play, about this sort of buzz, this excitement, this sort of, well, you never know, optimism that teams used to have when they came to Anfield. And they, okay, they lost, Brighton lost today, but lots of teams, when they go to a bigger club, so to speak, with uh, with uh, this attitude of, well, maybe we'll get something, then it's a much better attitude than, oh, shit, look at Mane, oh, shit, look at Salah, look at Firmino, oh, shit, we're going to lose. And this fear that's been created about Anfield, this aura that we used to dream of, absolutely dream of, and it didn't exist when Klopp took over. And now... We are all of these games unbeaten. It's totally amazing. But looking around the Premier League, um, Manchester City's next match, fourth-placed Manchester City's next match, is against third-place Chelsea. It's at the Etihad. And Chelsea have been playing well. Um, Leicester are second in the Premier League. And I will give give you some of their upcoming fixtures. They play Brighton after the international break, then they've got Everton, Watford, Villa and Norwich before the uh, Carabao Cup or Koala League as we call it on Copon. And then uh, they're playing uh, Manchester City, then Liverpool, then West Ham. But in the next five or so matches, you would expect Leicester to pick up even more points. So my question is, Brian, looking around, I think Leicester are playing really well. I think Chelsea are playing really well. And are they actually our closest rivals compared to Man City? And I'll just quickly give you Man City's upcoming fixtures. So they've got Chelsea, like I mentioned. Then they've got Newcastle, Burnley, Manchester United, Arsenal, then Leicester, then Wolves away, which won't be easy, and then the plucky Sheffield United. So are City even our main rivals, Brian? They are until they're not, right? Um, with that that fixture list that you just mentioned there, I mean, I, I've got a really strong feeling that Chelsea are going to beat them next week. Uh, I've been incredibly impressed with Chelsea. I mean, even 
Like it's it's obvious now that they're a good team. But even at the early starts, even the game that we played against them, we were very lucky. I thought to to win that uh, Super Cup. I thought Chelsea played um, really well in that game, and uh, Frank Lampard. Whether it's true. Uh, a bit of luck with the situation he found himself in, or it's actually by design. I mean, he comes from a very, very long lineage of football people. So, uh, and as I've mentioned on the podcast a few times, he's he's not uh, short of a few uh, brain cells. Um, he he has got them and those kids playing superb football. Um, Leicester, yeah. Well, as 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 we all know in the in the cup on. Uh, WhatsApp group. I'm a big fan of Leicester <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and B dogs. I like to call them. Look, I think Brendan Rodgers is a, is an amazing manager. I think he he, he his teams. I've been following uh, him and and his football teams since for a long long time. And uh, they all play football. They all play attractive football. They all score a lot of goals and. It's 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 a bit of a surprise to me that he's managed to turn this Leicester team into such a force so quickly, because uh, he's very shrewd. I mean, I think the move that he made to Celtic afterwards was just brilliant. It was the best possible move he could make, um, and you can only win the games that you have in front of you. And he managed, he did that like at a canter up there in in Scotland, but like coming back. To the Premiership, what team was he going to take? And Leicester are just pitch perfect for him in terms of their setup. They have so much young, good young talent, um, and he's a coach first and foremost. So I'd be I'd be wary of them, right? I think the way Chelsea are playing, the way Leicester are playing, you got two great managers there. Until we can get like some real daylight between them then, yeah, it's not over until it's over. I mean, the, the, the premiership, to go back to what you were saying earlier about um, the fear factor and, uh, and teams uh, turning up fearful. Yeah, I mean, I hate to keep going on about that, you, you know, the, the famous United teams of the 90s, but I remember being a Liverpool fan back in those days and just being so pissed off that, you know, teams would turn up to Old Trafford and they would just, they'd be beaten already. They'd be, they, they'd already just thrown the points away. They, they, you know, United score one goal. United would score one goal, and that was it. Their, their heads would just drop immediately. And I think that's what we have that now. You know, every team, even the good teams, they're just petrified. You know, and they and they all feel like if they if they push too much, the only way you can do any, you know, get any kind of joy out of us and City for that matter, is you have to be brave. And you have to attack and you have to take risks. And if you do that, then perhaps you can win. Um, but more times than not, you'll lose. And, and, and sometimes you'll get absolutely battered. And uh, it's those kind of results that cost managers their jobs these days because there's so much riding on, uh, on each result. And uh, I think it's definitely working in our favor now. I mean, Klopp, when he first came, said... You know, we have to turn doubters into believers. And, and that's what we all are now. We all believe, including the press and the, the whole football world believes in this team right now. They do indeed. It's a very interesting answer. Absolutely, they do. Thank you, Brian.
I'm looking at the XG table speaking about Leicester and they are on expected goals. They're plus 13. It's one of the reasons why I don't like XG because Leicester, I, I mean, it's almost impossible to have plus 13 on on XG in terms of you score 13 more goals than you should. Um, because normally it's sort of plus or minus three on average, even less, two or one, because XG is supposed to be quite accurate. But when you've got a player on the form of Vardy, who's, who's just a clinical type of player in the same way that I think Tammy Abraham is of Chelsea, then you're always going to outperform XG. I don't really like it. I, but it's interesting. Leicester, according to the XG stats, should fall away. I don't know. What's your take on it, Robin? The, the, our rivals, who are they? I'm, I'm just taking delight looking at the Premier League table and seeing Man City after 12 games in fourth place trying to hold back Sheffield United from breaking into that. Um, Sheffield United have um, impressed me this season. Um, they've played well against us and I think when we played against them they were a lot lower down in the table and they've had a, a few draws and a win and they've um, pushed themselves up to fifth place so good for them and I, I did like the way they play as well but talking about our rivals you can't go further than Chelsea and Man City I think those are the two teams that will be in the top four with us um, and Leicester we I've learned the hard way not to write Leicester off anymore uh, They've obviously had the amazing season when they won the league. And this Leicester team seems great. Brendan Rodgers has found a formula of making Vardy tick. So he's retired from international football. He's rested himself. And I was watching um, an interview with uh, Rodgers yesterday where he was talking about how much energy Vardy expels by chasing the back four all game long and how to conserve some of the energy so he's a, a bit more a focus when those chances fall to him where he's always thinking mentally of what to do and and probably why he's so uh, clinical and why he's there. Leicester's XG is the way it is because he just finishes chances that perhaps you think he sh shouldn't be able to do all of those and he's, he's head and shoulders above all the other sh um, strikers for the golden boot or well, the top goal scorer in the league this season but They've done well. Um, I'm glad that we played them and we took three points off them. They gave us a hard match and we had to fight hard for that. And I hope that Leicester's fight and spirit, they can show that against all the other rivals and they can take points off each other. Um, so Man City being our biggest rival, being nine points behind, Leicester and Chelsea are only eight points behind. So I think they'll give us a good game, but we've. I don't think we need to fear anybody. I think these teams will come to us or we'll go to them. They're worried about... Um, what we're going to do to them and how we are going to impose our game on them. Um, Man City was the hurdle, I think. Um, as long as we keep that consistency and that professionalism that we had for all of 2019, just not, not just for this season, I think we'll be all right. We're just going to keep going. We may draw a game here or there. We might even lose a game, but I think we're just going to keep our focus, what we want, and keep um, each game at, um, keep looking at each game at a time and, and we'll be fine. Um, Man City will be devastated with this loss. Um, it's been a bit stuttering, so they've got to fight on just to get back into the second. If if this is the form that they are showing this season, um, where it's not immaculate, they've had a few losses. They've had three losses here uh, this year so far, which is more than Leicester and Chelsea. Um, 
so they've got to fight to earn that top four but to me I'd love to see Sheffield United leapfrog them but there's a big points gap between City and Sheffield United there is at the moment but no it's a really interesting answer for me City seem to be I mean they're an incredible team they had 18 shots only three on target this is one of their big problems they've got two big problems and they're probably the biggest problems in football the first one is that they can't kick the ball in the goal uh, and the second one is that they can't defend crucial situations now the Spurs game they had something like 34 shots and had scored two goals compared to Tottenham who had two shots and two goals two shots on target two goals and I remember speaking to somebody who works in football here in Paris about that match and I was saying to him I don't think that's that much of a freak because this is City's problem they're just going to give away massive chances or not defend massive chances properly and they're going to be punished and until Laporte comes back that could be the case um, but let's look at us I mean we're way ahead eight points ahead of our nearest rival after the international break we've got Crystal Palace away should be tough I saw Crystal Palace uh, played Chelsea they're a very difficult team we need to be at the top of our game to beat Palace but it's possible then we've got Napoli at home in the Champions League then Brighton at home Everton at home Bournemouth away Red Bull Salzburg away Watford at home Villa away uh, then it's the Club World Cup and the sort of sorry Villa away is in the Carabao Cup so that uh, doesn't really count so our next league games are Crystal Palace Brighton Everton Bournemouth and Watford that sounds good doesn't it Brian oh, that sounds awesome perfect wow <laughs> with the exception of Crystal Palace I think um, because I think I don't know if it's this season but definitely last season they were the most difficult away game for outside of the top four I think the stats said that Crystal Palace was the one place that most teams didn't want to go. Um, you say what you like about the manager there. He knows how to set up a team and just bore the life out of you. Um, and uh, they, they have like very dangerous players to hit you on the break and just soak up all the attacks. So that that's the only game out of all of those games that you mentioned that uh, would give me any... Uh, that calls for concern. That could be a potential banana skin. But then the rest of them, I just think it's it's a case of managing the squad and uh, hoping that we don't get uh, any injuries or pick up any niggles along the way. Because there's a couple of those games where it's not... Uh, I mean, the Carabao Cup. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a development team for that, right? Because we're over in the, the World Cup game. And then Napoli, uh, I suppose that's the group decider, isn't it? Um, we win that, then we, we tie up the top spot. Um, yeah, but now, I mean, compared to compared to City's run, wow. I mean, I could just see them dropping points for sure. And the thing about City is I think City, we, we've seen peak City <laughs> um, last year. I think, you know, if you look at their team, 
you look at the players that they had, you look at the players that they lost. I mean, I think you really can't underestimate how important company was that, to that team uh, in the dressing room, even just being around. I think he was such a talisman for them. And uh, you look at the age range of um, the team. Don't get me wrong, there's still some brilliant, brilliant players. I, I agree with uh, Robin about... Uh, Bernardo Silva, um, I, I, I just think he's amazing. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many old players. Like Aguero is, what, 32 or something? I, I, there's a lot of players that are <laughs> over the age of 30. <laughs> That's it. Well, there's quite a few, not a lot. But, um, and you compare that to us. And we, we are we're reaching you know, peak Liverpool. Actually, I think we've got a couple more years. We've got two more years to go to really reach that. We're kind of just getting better and better and stronger and stronger. We're... I think, like, they they have a busy transfer winter coming up. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, they could uh, let alone forget about the league. They they may um, they may not finish second, and and that to them would be absolute disaster, right? Because you know, I know, I think their focus is on the Champions League. Um, but you know, just get back to your original question. Yeah, I think our fixtures are brilliant. Their fixtures are terrible. There's, there's there's so many tough games coming up for them. So I think in the next four weeks um, before Christmas, I think that I, potentially the league could be a, a, as close to being sewn up as you as one could get before Christmas, um, because I can see them dropping points, just especially with John Stones in defence and that keeper. He was a disaster today. You know, um, people will get at them. So. Uh, I'm just, you know, I've got my popcorn ready. I'm looking forward to it every day. I'm going to be watching every single city game with my popcorn, just waiting for them to slip up. <laughs> that would be lovely if they if they continue to do so. That would be absolutely lovely. Um, but I th- that's why I think Chelsea are our main rivals. I really do. I'm just looking at their form, uh, the age of their team, their their hunger, and their just general teamwork. And that was the thing that was missing from City today for me i mean obviously go on can i ask can i ask a question do you know the lineup today why was um mendio cancelo not playing i missed that what made them choose angelino do you know why i i I think mendy was injured again i'm not sure exactly but he was a doubt so they didn't want to risk him but i've got no idea for cancelo 60 million pound fullback i've got no idea do do you know brian no i haven't i have no idea you know i just I see the picture of Mendy in the in the crowd sucking on a lollipop. <laughs> I just think that guy is such a waste of space. Oh my god, he's the worst signing ever. You know, he's what has he done since he beat the city? <laughs> Suck on lollipops and go to parties in Japan. You know, that's all he does. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. No, that's a good point. Exactly. I mean, you know, Guardiola was sucking on a wasp at the end of the match as well with his face. God, it's glory times. Did Guardiola give the crowd the finger at one stage? Uh, I didn't see him giving the finger. I saw him pointing and gesticulating to the crowd because he thought there were two handballs and it looked like he was, I don't know, it looked like he was going to spontaneously human combust, if you know about spontaneous human combustion. It looked a bit like that to me. Uh, But, uh, you know, fortunately he didn't and uh, he gets to live another day and we get to just laugh at him really um he's becoming a caricature we've not just got inside his head we've drilled right into his neurons and are pulling out 
the magic of his mojo, extracting it and transplanting it into Diane Lovren's head. We're just about at the end of the end of the our conversation, guys. So just very quickly, I want you to give us a man of the match, although that's a difficult question, isn't it, Robin? Uh, I think I would probably go for Vineldum. I don't know, or Lovren. What do you think, Robin? You're absolutely right. It is tough. I don't know why it's tough. Um, it was such a good, strong performance everywhere. When Adam, his protection of ball is excellent. I can see why he he's a good shot for man of the match. Lovren, his constant clearance and aggression on the ball. There's something that Alisson, well, Alisson did quite a few things. He didn't do anything spectacular, but when crosses came in, he held it. When crosses came in, he got good punch and fist on it. When he had to smother the ball and pick it up, he did. When he had to pass it a simple left and right, he did. When his distribution had to go long, it did. And that nervousness, when I was watching this match today with um, my brother-in-law, that nervousness that we used to think about with Mignolet, it's all gone. He just every, does small little things so well. We're not worried about the superstar world he saves. Just do the simple things well and give us the reassurance that everything's calm and go. So I thought Alisson was good. But to go back for Man of the Match, um, Mane was great. Fabinho was great. It's hard to call it. I, I would have, I'd flip a coin between Fabinho and Mane. I think both of them are excellent. Um, push me on it, I would say Mane. That's a great answer. A great shout. Sadio, the main man, Mane. Wonderful stuff. Brian, what about you? Man of the match today? Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you guys as well. I'm Robin on this. It's uh it's yeah, it's very tricky. It's like they're all so good. There was not one single player who let us down today. But I have to say, I would I would tend to agree with you, and I would go with Genie because at one stage it was like they cloned him and there was like four of them out there, different parts of the pitch. I'm like, he was over there, he's over there, he's over there, you know, he was just brilliant. He was everywhere. Um, I think Kyle Walker was complaining to the referee at one stage, you know, there's too many genies on the pitch. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. That's one of the best, <laughs> one of the best performances I've seen of him for a very long time. All it, all it was missing was the goal and that, that, uh, that chance that he had where he kind of like, you know, shimmied into the box and just barely missed the goal. Um, uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, if I, if I had to push, I would, I would say Genie gets my vote for that. Well, we'll give it to him then. Uh, I want to thank you both so very much for, I don't know, sharing in the joy. And it's all of ours to have, isn't it? Every single listener, every Liverpool fan out there, we're top of the league. These these are not just salad days. These are, you know, I mean, this is like your favourite barbecued food with the salad days. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's superb. It's absolutely glorious to be a Red. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. Thanks. Thanks, 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 Thanks Robin. Thanks, Robin. So there we have it. Please do get in touch with us if you want to know more about Carpon via carponpodcast at gmail.com or if you wish to mute or block us on Twitter, please do so at carponpodcast. The opening lines today were from the Greek poet Pindar and are approximately 1,500 years old. 
It feels like about that long since Liverpool won a league championship, but maybe, just maybe, maybe we have taken a huge stride towards it by beating Manchester City. We're top by a mile now. Catch us if you can.